The following episode contains major plot points of movies. A spoiler warning is advised. This episode also contains topics that may be disturbing for some viewers, so viewer discretion is also advised. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I am Aaliyah. And I almost said Aaliyah's name <laughs> instead of mine. But no, I'm not doing that today. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but we are doing today. We're going to be discussing a film today. Yep. But before we do that, is there anything you have on your mind? Uh, well, it seems like the last couple of weeks have been like the week of terrible apology videos. I don't know if you noticed, but ever since we talked about the Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis defense letters for Danny Masterson and then Drew Barrymore trying to continue her show, a lot of people have been going on publicly trying to apologize for their actions. Yeah. Uh, not in the best way. But are they not? Are they really are sorry? That's the problem. See, because the thing about humans, I mean, we're not perfect creatures. We mm-hmm. make mistakes, and that's what makes us human. Yeah. The thing about all of this, though, is that they made mistakes for bad reasons. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, I wouldn't say that what Ashton Kutcher did and Mila Kunis did was a mistake. They mm-hmm. publicly defended a sexual predator that's not exactly a good thing that's not just something you go on social media in front of a worn down barn wall and publicly (laughs) apologize for did you see their video no it looks like they're sitting outside in front of an old dusty barn really like you're like you're trying to make yourselves look more wholesome and less rich i almost thought you were gonna say they uh they were right in front of a barnes and noble no they were in front of like a like a Old, it was like either, either like a worn down fence or like a worn down barn wall, but they look, live out in the country or what? I don't know. I don't care. This... But the point is, it's like it's not really a good apology when your first line of defense. First of all, if you try to defend yourself in any way, shape, or form, that's not an apology. That's but just it, trying to help yourself. You're just trying to cover your ass for mm-hmm. your mistakes because you didn't think that those letters the judge would be going to the public. Yeah, but they And did. he even said, he's like, those letters were meant for the judge. They weren't meant for the public to know about. Dipshit, your best friend is a celebrity who's being put on trial for sexual assault crimes. True. So it's not exactly private information, okay? We all are watching this. So exactly. I don't understand where the shock comes from when you are surprised that people found out about your apology. Or not apology, but your, your letters. Yeah. And then on top of that, Drew Barrymore pulled back majorly within like a day or two of her announcing the continuation of her show. Mm -hmm. Uh, She decided to put it on pause until the strike was over. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but it's a little too late for that now. Because you've already not only publicly announced it, you've given plenty of people time to go over the facts of your life by pointing out, the fact that you not only come from a big family of stars. Yeah, the who, Barrymores, yeah. Exactly. Who probably at one point in time have either partook or crossed picket lines in previous actor strikes. Yeah. So you can't be surprised when strikes like this happen and then you say, I don't know the limitations of what I'm allowed to do in solidarity of the strike. <laughs> exactly. What do, you, like, what do you think the internet is for? Like, all the notes, I cited my sources when we covered the strike. I got it all directly from the SAG-AFTRA 
campaign website. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all public information. It's one quick Google search. Pretty much. You don't understand the guidelines and limitations of a strike? Look it up. Google it. At this point, there is nothing holding you back from being able to obtain <clears throat> that piece of information. To all of this being said, I think that if we make mistakes as people, it's not enough to just say, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Actually own up to what you did. Yeah. Admit the admit to the fact that you were ignorant and in your ignorance, you made a mistake which hurt people and you are going to go forward and take action to better yourself as a person. Exactly. It's called it's called holding yourself accountable. Exactly. Okay? That's what being an adult is. Yeah. Hypothetically pull your balls out there and show it to the crowd. Not really. <laughs> Not really. The point is, is that with, with all of these things going on on social media, with all these actors apologizing publicly for their bullshit issues, the, the public is not exactly giving a shit. It's like, we don't care if you apologize. You're still not a nice person because you, again, in one way or another, behaved like a terrible person. Mm-hmm. So... That's all I have to say. On top of that, I don't really know... What else to talk about? You breathe in there? I had pizza earlier today for lunch, Mm. and I drizzled some hot sauce on it, and it's giving me really bad Ah. indigestion, so I'm going to need my water bottle. Nice. Do you want to talk a bit about the movie we will be covering? Yes. We're going to be covering today's the movie called Train to Busan. Yes. And it's actually... (laughs) Here's the thing. When it comes to me and zombie movies, mm-hmm. there's only a few movies that I could watch. Mm-hmm. Not every one of them. My Actually, my dad's favorite uh, zombie movie of all time to him was 28 Days Later. He mm-hmm. loved that movie. I, I, like, I like movies like Re- uh, Return of the Living Dead. Was that the, Sna- the Zack Snyder film? No, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, didn't Zack Snyder direct one of those No, sequels? Return of the Living Dead is from 1985. Okay, never mind. Yeah, no. And uh, uh, there's Return of the Living Dead. There's, um, what was that other movie I said last night? Because I, I said I picked, the, I said a few movies. You said that one? Yeah. I um, can't remember. Oh, wait, uh, that one, Shaun of the Dead. Mm. Uh, even the original Night of the Living Dead was still really good, you know, even for being like the first zombie movie, basically. But there was other zombie movies before. There was, there was White Zombie mm-hmm. with uh, Bela Lugosi. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I will say that's a good one. And I think the thing, too, is this is also a foreign film, and we haven't covered one since Suspiria, yeah. actually. Yep, and I was going to say this, so... With this movie, when I saw it yesterday, it hit me. It it hit me like a like a bunch of bricks. Yep. And it was so good. <clears throat> and even with the American dubbing and stuff, it was still very good. It, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just like. Cause here's the thing. I, this 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 episode's coming out on September of 2023, and as of right now, only the English dubbed version is on peacock that's not bad huh that's not bad it's not bad but when you watch it you can definitely tell it's not great (laughs) like first of all some of the dialogue okay i don't know how exactly they dub things from foreign languages to other languages but obviously 
there's dialect you got to think about. There's like other aspects of translations. And well, you have interpreters. Well, yeah, you have interpreters, but you also have subtitles. So, like, when you sometimes when you watch a foreign movie, you have to watch subtitles. Mm-hmm. I think that <clears throat> watching foreign films with subtitles is not that bad. I actually kind of prefer it because a, I like reading, but b, I do enjoy listening to other people speak in other languages. Something about it is very alluring. Well, yeah, because you're not used to that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so seeing it's it for not, the... It's not that I'm not used to it. I just find it interesting. Well, yeah, because it comes into us and it's just, it's very intriguing. Plus, I think the more that you immerse yourself in those types of languages, the more you start to kind of like, not learn it, but especially like if you're learning new languages, it's also, it's also like, like, let's say you're actually learning Korean and you... You, you like you take the online classes. You're mm-hmm. you're learning the dialogue and the dialect and everything, and you want to fully put on a Korean film without the subtitles and see how well you do. Mm-hmm. And with Train to Busan, the English dub version was okay. <laughs> I thought it was good. I mean, yeah. I stopped paying attention to that after a while and just watched the movie for what it is. Especially when I forgot it was American dubbed. Mm-hmm. But I I enjoyed that. Another thing about it too, and like I said, we don't usually watch foreign films. It's sometimes you find a foreign film that really sticks with you and you like it. Like when we did with Suspiria, Suspiria was originally shot in Italian, right? And then it was dubbed in English. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, and the English dubbed version has always been available for like the longest time. So always, it's not yeah. like it's not like we had the Italian version to fall back on if we really wanted to know. What was being said. I think that sometimes though, when you have an English dub version, it doesn't always translate well Mm -hmm. from the original language. Especially when you compare the two. Mm -hmm. It's not always translated that well. Like the the wording is completely different or the phrases that they use are completely different from the English dubbed version. And I think that the original language formats are best. Pretty much. Because you you get a lot of the context better than the English dub versions. Yep. So that's my opinion. But I liked this movie a lot. And it's, like like Colin said, you know, he likes zombie movies or doesn't really watch. You said you didn't really watch. I didn't watch a lot of zombie movies. There was a few zombie movies I watched. Because it's all practically the same. I don't really like watching zombie movies, in my opinion. Before watching Train to Busan, I always felt like zombies were overrated and overhyped. And completely drawn out. I feel like with zombie movies, you really can't devolve too far from the original format of a zombie movie. You know? Mm. I feel like with this one, though, it's different. Because not only did they change the way the zombies essentially look, but they changed a lot of things about them that most horror directors who tackle zombie movies, they mm. do things differently. Like their personalities, their speed, stuff like that. Right. Just... Like George A. Romero coined the American zombie as pale, dead-looking people who walk slow and eat live people and then turn them into zombies. Pretty much, In yeah. one way or another. Yeah. And... That's all well and good, but the Korean version of zombies is just as, if not more, terrifying than it's the American. It's hardcore as fuck. Very hardcore. Yeah. Incredibly hardcore. And Train to Busan 
not only has a hardcore type of zombie that we deal with in the movie, but it's got a lot of heart and a lot of story build up to it. They remind me of the zombies I've seen in anime films and cartoons. Like yes. those zombies, like in the anime cartoons, have pretty much the same look and the way that they move their bodies and running and stuff, like in the cartoons, it's the same way. Right. And it's just, I love that they almost portray that in this. And another thing, too, before we hopped on, well, earlier today from when we hopped on and recorded, I actually listened to the episode of That Was Pretty Scary podcast. Oh, you listened to that? I listened to it today, and they did cover Train to Busan a few weeks ago, maybe like a month ago. You didn't tell me you listened to that today. Well, I had been putting it on hold for a long time because I hadn't watched Train to Busan yet. You didn't want to get spoils. I didn't want to get spoiled. The thing is, I feel like well, after watching it the first time last night, I felt like I had robbed myself of a real good experience earlier on in my life. This movie came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. We're in the year 2023. I've had seven years now to watch this movie, and it took me seven years to watch it. I feel like I truly slept on this movie. Not, it's funny. It's better better later than ever, you know? You know, you mean you better s- late than never? Yeah. That's the phrase. Yeah, better late than never. What did I say? Better later than never? Better later than ever. And I'm like, no. (laughs) I don't want to be like the last person on earth who has seen Train to Busan. But it's a pretty good movie. It actually made the Shudder's 101 Scariest Moments of Horror list last year. So I was very intrigued about it. And I'm like, you know, I got to give Asian horror a chance sometimes because... They really kill it with horror films. Like, they take horror to a whole other level. Not just with zombie movies, but horror in general. Well, I've never seen the Asian versions of The Grudge and The Ring. Mm-hmm. Which, I should check those out. And also, my the one I really want to check out is when they made the American version of The Uninvited. Mm-hmm. The Uninvited. And yep. they made... You mean The Tale of Two Sisters? Yes. That's I want to see that. That's what it's originally called. That also was on the list of 101 Scariest Moments Oh, yeah. That's before. right. Fuck yeah. But, no, and, but I want to check out that one for sure. But yeah. There's a couple of things I did want to talk about. I'm not going to get too far into. One thing for sure is that season three of Chucky is coming out soon. October 4th. Yeah. October 4th. It's going to be released on Sci-Fi... Peacock. Peacock. And one more. Is it... Oh, um... Is it USA? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're going to be aired on those three platforms. And I just recently watched all of season two last week. And it was amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, the ending was a lot. But I feel like... How are you going to... Is there a cliffhanger to it? Very much a cliffhanger to it. That's the problem. I feel like cliffhangers, it's like, how are you going to... Top it or... Top, well, how are you going to... It's it's like, okay, the thing about cliffhangers, do you remember the PBS show Between the Lions? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... If Wait, like, Between the Lions? Yeah. Is that a cartoon? No, it's actually a puppet show. Wait, Between the Lions? I think I have... I think you... We talked about this we before. We have talked about this before, but he, the, for those of you who don't know, if you used to watch PBS channel as a kid... Between the Lions was a puppet show about a family of lions who ran a library, yeah. right? And they taught kids how to pronounce words and vowels and constants and all this stuff. And they talked a lot about book references, like foreshadowing and conflicts and all this other tropes and stuff. 
But one of the things that they did often was a segment called Cliffhanger. But it used to be like this explorer guy named Cliff. And he would always be hanging off of a cliff. Wow. And then and they're like, that's why they call him Cliffhanger. Like the whole thing. That was, pond. that was the whole spiel. But that is exactly how cliffhangers feel like. You you end a you end an episode or a movie or a season with the plot hanging off a cliff, mm-hmm. and you're wondering how are you going to push off from that and build on it. You know, like I'm wondering because yeah. in the second season we get to see Glenn Glenda as in their human forms. Oh shit! But we also get to see. Glenn Glenda back in their puppet form. Oh shit! As so well, they went back into the into the puppet. Yes, the, in the in the doll. They did. Yes. Oh wow! Because another great thing about this show, it's got a huge diverse cast of characters and a huge diverse cast of LGBTQ representative characters mm-hmm. and cast members, and it's just a really great season. I loved it a lot. And I'm excited to see what season three holds, but I'm still wondering, like, how are you going to push off of from this without it looking really tacky? Yeah. But that's just me. And then another thing is season five of Dragula is going to be airing later next month on Shudder and AMC. Mm-hmm. Or AMC Plus, I should say. Yeah. I'm excited because I've, I've been looking mm-hmm. forward to Dragula all year. <laughs> To get into the movie, Train to Busan was released on July 22nd in 2016 with a runtime of an hour and 58 minutes and was directed by Yeon Sang-ho and it was his first live action film. It was written by Park Joo-ju. Now, as you're very well aware, I have a very hard time with pronunciations. The butcher. Especially when it comes to people of other cultures and countries. You want me? You want me to no, say these ones? No, 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 no. I'm gonna try my best because, like I said, Are I listened. Sure? No, 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 no. I listened to the episode of that was pretty scary covering this movie, and I heard them pronounce these names. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability, and I apologize in advance if I butcher anybody's names and pronunciations. <sighs> so, the movie stars. Gong Yo as Siok Wu, Kim Susan as Suan, Ma Dong Siok as Sang Hua, Jung Yumi as Song Giang, and Kim Oi Sung as Yeon Suk. At least I believe that's how I. That was good. It. That was very accurate. I tried my best. I'm so proud of you. So, Ma Dong Siok. Who's, by the way, my favorite character in the whole fucking film. Isn't he from the Eternals? Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing. I gotta, I gotta segue a little bit. Because, first of all, when we watch this guy in action, he's a huge action star in South Korea, which I did not know that. Yeah, you didn't know that? Everyone but watching that. him in action in Train to Busan, I'm like, this guy's a fucking action star. And then you looked it up and you found out that he was an internal. Well, because I, I like, saw oh. his face and he looked incredibly familiar. And I looked it up. I was like, oh, he's from the Eternals. I'm like, oh, well, that confirms my suspicions. Yeah, well, he was definitely better in this movie, honestly. But he used to be Gong Yo's personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Ma Dong was nominated for a 2017 Asian Film Award in the Best Supporting Actor category for his role as Song Hwa. But yeah, I thought that was cool. 
Okay. I don't know if he won, but he was nominated. Right. He should win. That was a good movie. Yeah. Well, carry on. The film served as a reunion for Gong Yu and Jung Yumi, who both starred in the 2011 film Silenced. Hmm. So he... Now, I want to pause for a minute because you kept making Korean pop references. And I kept telling you to be quiet. Wait, Korean pop references? You keep making Korean pop jokes throughout this movie. Oh, okay. But Suhi, or Sohi, who plays the character Jin Hee, who is the cheerleader for the baseball team and one yeah. of the cars. Yeah. She's an ex-member of the famous K-pop group Wonder Girls. Really? I didn't even know that. Oh my god. What? You should see Colin's face when I said it. He's like, really? I'm like, what? Because I kept making BTS jokes. You kept making BTS jokes. But there's but- nothing wrong with BTS. I mean, they're quite entertaining. And like, I heard they're a big group over there. Well, I was right about... Yeah, they're huge. Well, I was right about Ma Dong Seok, and you were right about Sohi. No, I, I didn't even know I was right. I was just saying, just making Korean pop jokes. Like, K-pop jokes. And... You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I couldn't find a lot of behind-the-scenes info about this movie. There's really not a whole lot. Just the fact that, like, this movie was pretty successful. Not just in South Korea, but across the world it was pretty successful. It was dubbed in, like, four different languages, I believe. Hmm. English, Hindi, and then two others I can't remember. But I, I think that's pretty cool for them. that they. This is, like, the sixth... At least I believe it's the sixth highest grossing movie in South Korea. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Sixth? Sixth. Yeah. Fifth? No, sixth. sixth. Oh, okay. Yes. Because you said that weird, but okay. I have a speech impediment, so I fuck know. you. I didn't know. Maybe it's okay. Anyway. Yeah. Now, again, we're, we're going to go into the plot now, and I apologize if advance, if I, again, mispronounce Honey, the words. Honey, you're going to be names. fine. Just say it. Anyway, Seok Woo is a workaholic fund manager and divorced father of his daughter, Suan, who wishes to celebrate her birthday with her mom in Busan. Seok Woo sees a video of Suan attempting to sing a song at her singing recital, but stumbles due to stage fright as a result of his absence. Out of guilt, he decides to go with Suan to the KTX 101 at Seoul Station to Busan. As the train passengers load onto the cars, we are introduced to Sang Hua and his pregnant wife, Seong Kiong, COO Yon Suk, a high school baseball team including player Young Gook and his cheer- and his cheerleader girlfriend Jin Hee, mm. elderly sisters Ing Jil and Jung Jil, and a terrified homeless man hiding in the bathroom. Before the train departs, a disheveled woman with a bite mark on her leg Ugh. runs onto the train unnoticed. Within minutes, she turns into a zombie and attacks the train attendant, who also mm. turns. The infection spreads rapidly throughout the train. It really does. Like, Super quick. The second this girl turns, it's like everybody becomes contaminated. And it's not like, and it's commonly passed on through bite marks. Like if you're bite or attacked, you become infected and you become a zombie. Mm-hmm. But it's a very like intense moment because people are just getting on the train and the train's just starting to move. And people are starting to become infected and eat each other. It's craziness. Mm -hmm. So the group escapes to another car and shuts the doors. 
they realize that the infected do not know how to open doors. News broadcasts and telephone calls alert the public that an epidemic is spreading southward across the country. When the train stops at Daejeon Station, the group find the train station abandoned, saved by a horde of zombies, and run back to the train, splitting up into tr different train cars in the ensuing chaos. Back on the train, the conductor learns that the mil military has established a quarantine zone near Busan and sets the train en route. Seok Wu, Sang Hua, and Yong Guk, stuck in car 9, have become separated from their loved ones who are hiding in a bathroom in car 13 and mm -hmm. have to fight their way to, to them. They discover along the way that the infected can't see well in the dark but have impeccable hearing. So they have to cross about four cars to get to their loved ones. And again, it's, I feel like I feel like the more that they learn about these things, the better they are to fight them off. And they did. And they do pretty well. Yeah, they definitely uh, used the knowledge of what they saw, especially things that they did by accident. And like when they went into the tunnels and everything got dark. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the good thing to point out is that this train goes through tunnels, which causes the lights to turn off in the train. It, the train cars become dark. And once this happens, the zombies just become like, they look like chickens. Like when, when, when they, you move your head, when they're, it's not, when they're not in a frenzy, they can just sort of like twitch and bob around like chickens. Yeah, pretty much. And it's interesting. Well, and then like until they catch whiff of, of something that's like food to them, mm -hmm. it's like, that's it. And also another thing I wanted to point out too, and I don't know if you noticed this, but do you notice the way that they attack people is not like how... It's also another thing that's not quite like the rest of filmmakers when it comes to zombie movies. Mm -hmm. Usually, and sometimes, when zombies attack a person, they will literally rip that person apart. Mm -hmm. The only time a person ever becomes a zombie is if they get manage to get bitten by one while they're escaping. Oh yeah, well the tackling with the zombies that they did yesterday, especially mm -hmm. when they did it the first time and the little girl saw it through the window. Yeah. That was us. You didn't even know what that was at first and we had to rewind it. Yeah, like, the train station is pulling away, or the train is pulling away from the station, and Suwon sees, just barely out the window, a man on the platform being jumped by another man. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't really know what's happened, but she looks at her father, who's sleeping, and she's like, did you see that? And of course, he's sleeping, so we didn't see shit. Yeah, because he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> but still, I think, I think, I love the fact that they, they're learning more about these creatures as they go, but I like the. I think what's interesting more about this too is that when you watch these zombies, they're not worried about looking for people to feed on. They are looking for people who have not turned yet. Because mm -hmm. normally, I would assume that if you're a zombie, and there are other zombies around you, and your mm -hmm. primary focus is to find live human flesh to feed on. I mean, you've got plenty of live, well, somewhat live flesh around you as with other zombies. Why wouldn't you attack them and rip them apart? But, like, again, it doesn't quite fit the whole lore of the zombie horde thing. Mm -hmm. But I think what's interesting about these particular zombies in this movie is the fact that when they attack a person, they don't rip them apart. They attack, <laughs> they chomp, and then they move on. Mm -hmm. That's what I noticed. Mm -hmm. Which I think is very interesting. Yeah. 
Another thing too, and I forgot to include this in my notes, but once once this whole ordeal starts to unfold, there's a scene where Seok Woo's mother calls him. And he in his in his apartment with Suwon, his mother also lives with him. There's no grandfather figure in sight. But he gets a call from her while they're on the train and she sounds like she's in pain. And she's trying to tell him that she loves him, she loves Suwon, and she wants to let them know that she loves them so much. And yeah. she's saying her goodbyes over the phone. And you can hear her body, like, well, not body, but you can hear her voice change as she becomes ravenous. Yeah, she becomes ravenous with this infection. I think her last word was, like, that bitch. Yeah, because you can tell that, like, the infection was getting to her brain. It was causing her to lose herself as a person mm-hmm. and becoming this monster that just only wants to feed on other people. It was which crazy. is crazy. It is crazy. And it's sad, too, because... And they brought up a good point, and that was pretty scary. When you don't see it, it allows your mind to explore the possibilities of what could possibly be going on on the other end of that call. Mm-hmm. We don't see it, but it, it, we know what's happening. And the fact that we're in a position, we're getting Seok Wu's point of view from his end. He's on a train with his daughter. He's moving incredibly fast away from his home. There's nothing he can do. But listen to his mom turn into a zombie. Mm. And that's that's devastating. Like this is a very devastating movie. Yeah, pretty much. And it and it never stops. It just keeps going. Just when you think you can breathe a sigh of relief, then shit picks back up and keeps going. Yeah. There's a moment too where Sang Hu and his wife are introducing themselves to Suan and oh. Seong Kyung. Uh, she offers Suwon a gummy worm. Yeah. And it's the trolley gummy worms. Yeah. And those are my favorite candies. Especially when it's the wild berry. Yes. Yeah. Trolleys has like a huge variety of gummy worm flavors. I like the Gusher ones. They do. I'm not a really big fan. I like the Gusher, like the original Gusher. Oh yeah, chewies. the Gushers. But that's what it reminded me of. That's yeah. Why I like but them. I don't like the trolley ones. No. I like... The original Gushers are better. I like trolley very berries. Yeah. Those things are like cracked to yeah. me. They are so They delicious. are very good. I like the very berry better than the yes. original. Yes. Because they taste like shit. Well, because with the original, you only have four different flavors and yeah. only two of them you like. I, yeah. And I don't even like the like, yellow, like the the yellow flavor ones with the blue. Ugh. Well, no, because they have blue and pink. They have yellow and red, which oh. is lemonade and cherry. Is, is that what that is? Yeah, okay. it's like strawberry lemon. Eh, I wasn't a big fan of that. Then they have orange and green, which is gross. Uh, and then I think you have I'm more of a berry yellow guys. and green, yeah, I'm more which of a, is gross. I'm more of a berry guy like you. I like the berry ones, too. They're the, really good. The berry trolleys and then the trolley warm gushers are good, too. Yes. But anyway, I digress. So once regrouped, they struggle through the zombie horde to the front car train. Or the front train car, I should say. Where the rest of the passengers, most of upper business class, are sheltered. At the behest of Yansuk, the passengers prevent the survivors from entering, fearing that they are infected. Sang-hwa sacrifices himself to give the others time to force open the door and enter the car, but Injil is attacked and infected. Yansuk and the passengers demand that the survivors isolate themselves in the front vestibule. While there, Seok Wu learns from his analyst, Kim, that his company is indirectly involved in the disaster. 
Because, yeah, I don't know exactly. Well, he's a fund manager. Mm-hmm. So he takes money and invests it and puts it in stock for other businesses. Yeah. And so his company. stockholders. Sort of like a Korean version of the New York Stock, stock Exchange. Mm-hmm. So his company put in stock in this company that created biotech, which created this virus, which broke out and caused the entire country of South Korea to become infected with this virus. Yeah. Or at least almost of the, all of the country, because we don't know about other places. But Jong Jill, who's In Jill's sister, like I said, who is disgusted at the passengers and despairing for the loss of her sister, purposely opens the door and allows the zombies to enter and kill the rest of the car's passengers. Yon Suk and I, I think it's Kichol, but he's a train attendant. Mm-hmm. He's one of the train attendants. The probably the only surviving train attendant at this point in the plot. But they escape by hiding in the bathroom. A blocked track at the East Deju station forces the survivors to stop and search for another train. Yonsuk escapes after pushing Kaichul into the zombies. Now, we're going to see a pattern here. And the pattern is that Yonsuk is a dick. Okay. (laughs) Oh, that old guy. The, the old business guy. I who, like him. Yeah, he was a dick. I don't like him. Again, we're going to see a pattern occur here, so bear with me. So he pushes Kaichul into the zombies to escape from the train car. A burning train derails, causing the group to separate from each other, and it traps Siokwu, Suwon, Seong Kyung, and the homeless man underneath a train car filled with zombies. Meanwhile, Yonsuk runs into Jin Hee and Yong Guk, pushing the former into a zombie in his attempt to escape again. What a dipshit. Heartbroken, Yong Guk stays with Jin Hee until she turns and kills him. The conductor starts a locomotive on another track, but is also thrown to the zombies while trying to save an injured Yong Suk. Yong Suk, while fleeing from zombies busted his foot on a railroad track, causing the conductor to feel sympathy for him and get out of his train to save him. As he reaches his hand out to lift him up, Yong Suk throws him to the ground in front of the zombies and runs away onto the train and escapes. Yeah. He's a dick and I don't like him. But I didn't like him either. It's a very telling thing. And like I said, if you listen to the podcast, that was pretty scary. They do talk about this movie. John Lee Brody himself is Korean. And he even says, yes, he even says that guys like Yong Suk do exist in real life. And he has met plenty of men like him. Are you okay? I'm trying to to find my place. Give me a minute. So, Seok Woo finds a way out from under the carriage, but the escape route is shortly afterwards blocked by falling debris. The homeless man sacrifices himself to buy time for Seok Wu to clear the debris, and he, Suwon, and Seong Kyung, or Kyung, uh, manage to escape onto the new locomotive. After fighting off zombies hanging onto the locomotive, they encounter Yan Suk, who is on the verge of turning into a zombie and is begging for help. Seok Wu manages to throw him off, but is bitten in the process. 
He puts Suwon and Seong Kyung inside the engine room, teaches Seong Kyung how to operate the train, and says goodbye to his daughter. In his final moments, he reminisces about the moment of Suwon's birth before throwing himself off the locomotive. Due to another train blockage, Suwon and Seong Kyung are forced to stop the train at a tunnel just prior to Busan. The two exit the train and continue following the tracks on foot through the tunnel. Snipers are stationed on the other side of the tunnel and are prepared to shoot at what they believe to be zombies, but they lower their weapons when they hear Suwon sing Aloha Oi in tribute to her father. Aww, now I do remember that. Aloha Oi is actually a song that is sang in the movie Lilo and Stitch. Oh my god, yes, I do remember that. Oh shit. Yep, it's the moment in Lilo and Stitch where Cobra Bubbles threatens to take Lilo away after she... I forgot exactly what happens, but there's a moment where she like almost... I think she almost drowns in the ocean when they go surfing. Yeah. And he threatens Nani that he's going to come by tomorrow and take her, get her rehome. I do remember that. And she in her moment of despair, tries to comfort Lilo and sings a song. So it's a song that's important to Suan. And she wanted to sing it for her father for this recital for her school. And he missed it. You so. unlock you unlock that part of my brain. That yeah. I, I forgot about Lilo and Stitch. I'm like, yeah. oh shit. Yeah. I that's... thought it was I thought it was interesting. <sighs> but again it just goes to show how young she is because she's a kid. Uh-huh. You know? And she's a kid Who's in a home situation where her parents are no longer together. She's living with her father yeah. in another city away from her mother. And all she wants is to see her mom again. It's like she's like, also, she comes from like a broken home. Like, that's yeah. what it feels like. Also, this is all happening on her birthday. Oh, that's so depressing. Which is terrible. So that's probably and the we worst don't even, birthday. And we don't even know the situation with her mother because the entire time of the movie... <clears throat> Suwon's trying to call her mother, her father's trying to call her, and she's not picking Everyone up. Everyone is, yeah. Yeah. So nobody knows what's going on with the mother. I even wanted to call her. And the thing, too, about this movie I thought was interesting is that although it is categorized as a zombie movie, the word zombie is used once in the film. Yeah, it wasn't really, like, relevant in the whole thing. It wasn't yeah. really, like, putting in there. And I don't even remember actually hearing them use the word zombie in the English dubbed version. Yeah. But then again, it makes me want to watch the Korean original version. Yeah, but like there, there's an original version besides... Oh yeah, because there's the it's, non-dubbed... It's the non-dubbed English right. subtitle version. There's a sequel to this, I told you. Yeah, it's called Peninsula. It was released in 2020. Mm-hmm. Before this, there was a animated adaptation called Soul Station, and it's actually a prequel of, oh, really? of Train to Busan. So kind of like how it started. Yeah. Okay. I so, like that. That's pretty cool. So Soul Station is the prequel. It's an animated version. Then you have Train to Busan, and then you have Peninsula. So it's an anime? I don't know if Peninsula is animated. No, no, no. The, uh, the... Soul Station is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because Train to Busan, like I said, this is the director's first live film directed mm-hmm. uh he's directed a few other movies before <clears throat> this but they were both animated and he didn't want to do a sequel originally but the after the success of this film he then released uh peninsula a couple years later yeah yes 
Filmmaker Edgar Wright, who directed the BAFTA-nominated zombie comedy Shaun of the Dead, was a big fan of the film. Good taste. Wright recommended the film in a tweet and called it the best zombie movie I've seen in forever. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I like I said, I've said this before in the podcast, but I don't usually like zombie films. And You're before saying. before watching this one, if you had asked me what my favorite zombie film was, I would have said Zombieland. Yeah. I would have said Zombieland. Well, That's a good one too. That's the one I was trying to say it's, also. It's fine. It's fine for what it is. But I have seen other zombie movies since then. I've seen Train to Busan, and then actually last week we watched the Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse. That was a good one too, which is also a zombie movie. That was pretty good for what it was. Again, another dark comedy horror film that I enjoyed. So, and zombie movies are usually occasionally in either serious horror films or in comedy-like horror films. mm -hmm. So yeah, you want to know how well this movie did? Um, it it, it don't pretty, look pretty well. Don't Train to Busan grossed $93.1 million worldwide. Yeah, that's pretty good. That is amazing. Yeah, that's pretty fucking good. I think so. That's my notes for Train to Busan. I can't tell you enough how much I enjoyed this film. It was so... It's definitely in my my list of favorite zombie films. I mean, it's not really a big list, but it's definitely up there. This movie was so fucking good. Like, again, I can't tell you enough how much I love this movie. I mean, and I said this last week, too, when we covered Hereditary. I think anything more than an hour and 45 minutes is a little too lengthy, but this is an hour and 58 minutes, and it not only took its time building the story, but like I said, you, have, much, these, yeah. you have these real like roller coaster moments where it builds up, and then it plummets, and then it builds up again, and then and it plummets. It's a roller coaster. And it really is, and it was amazing, and I mm-hmm. loved it. And for 2016, the production was there. Like, mm-hmm. it's so good. Again, it's so good. I can't tell you enough how good this movie fucking is. Like, it's so amazing. I loved it, but at the same time, it's so emotionally packed. Especially the end. Yes. Especially with the father. Yes. Oh, my God. It's so emotionally packed and has a lot of story. It has a lot of heart. It's got plenty of action in it. So, and the zombies are terrifying. So we definitely give this recommenda- recommendation to you guys to listen to watch. If you haven't watched Train to Busan yet, definitely go and see it because it's totally worth watching. Yes, it's very, very much one of my new favorites. Mm-hmm. It's definitely one of my new favorite zombie films also. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to more serious zombie films, like this is up there. Yes. It's like how my dad loved 28, 28 Days Later. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised my dad never really watched this movie. But then again... This movie came out in 2016, and he passed away the year after. So, never really got a chance to watch it. But I think if he did watch it, he would have loved it. Yeah. You know? I, I, again, I can't get enough, I can't get enough how good this movie was. It was, it was perfect. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just so good. And after our main protagonist dies towards the end, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you could have ended it here. Mm-hmm. But then what would how would we know what happens to the final two girls in the movie? Do they make it to Busan? Do they not make it to Busan? Does something happen here? Like what's And so 
when they finally reach the outside perimeter of Busan and they get out, and I'm like, if these two made it this far only to die by whatever, I will riot. And thankfully, thankfully it didn't come to that. But I was like, I was on the verge of rioting. I would have been pissed. But I, like I said, good, really, really good fucking movie. I can't recommend it enough. I can't tell you again how much I loved it. There's so many things about it that I loved. There really wasn't anything that I hated about it except for Yon Soup. But if I mean the thing about it too is that when you when you have a movie like this, you obviously think that the villain or the antagonist of the movie is going to be the monster, which is the zombies, this mm-hmm. infection that's turning everybody rapidly into mindless zombies. But there's a more internal evil going on on the train, and it's this douchebag of a character that is so easy to hate because of the way the way he not only treats other people, but because of how he sees himself is why he treats people the way that he does. What's his name? Yukon? No. Yansuk. Oh, Yansuk. Sorry. Yansuk. He is <laughs> despicable, and I hate him. Yeah. But again... It's all on good writing. It's all because of good writing why this movie is so successful. Because it makes you... Like, the characters seem so real that it makes you hate them or love them. Well, again, that's exactly what I'm saying. You have characters in here that you love. There are characters in here that are endearing. Characters who have a lot of heart and a lot of love mm. for other people and a lot of compassion for one another. And even, like, our, our main character, he was not a nice person in the beginning. But over time, he redeems himself. Mm-hmm. You know? He's protecting his child from zombies. He's helping this man he's never met before save his wife from zombies. Exactly. He steps up throughout the movie. He redeems himself. Well, he's got a very redeemable character arc in this movie. Well, definitely the thing about with movies like this and any movies, like character development is some of the best things... That you can do in a movie. You can show a character what they truly were in the beginning, but then they come to wake up and realize there's more out there than just them, and they change their whole outlook, and it's what changes, like, kind of make them what they are in the very end. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, for me, that I've seen, with uh, with Ash. Mm-hmm. Ash from Evil Dead. He was this guy who was just scared and just didn't know what to do and just... He literally was possessed like more than once, but then after a while he became brave and not scared anymore and was tired of the bullshit. So he just literally just let the friggin' um son of wait, what are they? The uh the The Deadites. The Deadites. He just let them have it. He just kicked all their asses. I know you were when, gonna say Cenobites and I was yeah, almost I was gonna like, say Cenobites I was like, too. I was like, no, it's not Hellraiser. But this movie was so good. Yeah. Again, it, it when it comes to everything that I want in a horror film, it checks all the boxes. Yeah. I loved it so much. I don't know how how else or what else to talk about it that we haven't already talked about. Well, out of one out of five, I'd give this movie five trains. I I agree. I give it, it five, if, if it was five star rating, it would be a five star rating. It I, is. Well, I give it, it trains is, because this is about a train. It is a five star rating, and I have to wonder now. How do you go from there into a sequel? Like, 
Peninsula. I don't, I don't know if I want to go looking for it because I think as a standalone on its own, I think Train to Busan was just perfect. Well, yeah, because you don't want to ruin it for yourself. Yeah, I don't want to ruin it for myself by continuing on with a sequel that but, I haven't even heard of before. But me, I don't but, care, so I'll go and watch it and let you know what I think. So, I think I'm good on talking about Train to Busan. Is there anything you want to talk about before we wrap up? Well, there is a movie I do want to watch that I feel like it would be good well, for our talks. Well, I know you want to talk about it. But, but we're going to we're gonna not talk about I'm not going to say the name, but yes. That's going to be not next week's episode. It's going to be the following week's episode. That's not fair. Because next week's episode... I'm going to have a guest on the show. Oh, yeah, that's right. So Next week. So I won't be here. Goodbye. Colin will not be present. I will be having a guest host. Oh. I'm going to wait to announce it next week because wow. honestly, honestly, I'm so happy that I got in touch with this person and... She really is. No joke. You definitely know the character persona he puts on social media. and I think you should just leave it there. I'm going to leave it there because I'm very excited for next week's guest. And next week, he and I will be talking about the movie Terrifier. Yeah. Which is another movie I have not seen yet and have been sleeping on for quite some time. I actually just finished watching it today. And now I'm ready for Terrifier 2. But we're going to talk about that one at a later time. Okay. So with that being said, this has been a fun episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. And even though I won't be here next week, but I hope you enjoy that next episode also. Mm-hmm. And thank you all for listening. So this has been the Abby Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I am Aaliyah. As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, or a nice review for our podcast. It helps boost our show positively. You can also follow us on Instagram and now on TikTok.